0: All right, it is June 1st. It has uh, been a few weeks since our last episode. I'm bringing you this episode uh from the car. <laughs> uh so pardon the audio quality. Um lot's going on. There is a uh so COVID is over pretty much. Um it's interesting seeing how this is evolving because the uh of course you can't just flip, just immediately say, okay, well, COVID's over. First, we have to have these kind of little exploratory conversations. Well, maybe it is okay if we don't wear our masks sometimes, you know, those, those types of things. And every rational person, uh, has already been thinking about this for some time. So this becomes a really kind of devoted leftist, uh, adherent exercise, to basically say, um, we uh, need to. We need the approval of our our experts to tell us that this is okay, so that we know that we're being good citizens. And um, so that's basically what is happening now. Uh, Doctor Fauci, our savior, is uh, has gotten himself in some hot water, uh, basically having to admit that the little fights that he's had with, with uh, Rand Paul, uh, Dr. Rand Paul. Um, well, I guess Rand Paul was, was, was right. Um, so, you know, he's basically at a position where he is acknowledging that, um, well, okay. You know, like, and basically everything, you know, these little spars that he's had with Rand Paul about funding, this Wuhan virology lab and this gain of function research that was funded by the United States. And um, you know, a big question comes out of this that is if we were in a uh, society where the conservative half of the country was not so pathetic, Um, then we would be having a very different conversation right now. The conversation would go something like this. Is it possible that this virus was created in order to meddle in the election, in the upcoming election? Is it possible that this virus had something to do with ensuring Donald Trump was removed? Now, I think most people on, on first hearing that question would say that's ridiculous. You know, that, that is, um, of course no one would do that. Something that, that could potentially kill millions of people. Um, but there's been far worse things that government has done than allow a virus to sneak out. Maybe they didn't fully understand the repercussions of these things, but, um, boy, in today's world, those types of thoughts are the ones that stick. And that is why, uh, conservatives ought to be bringing this up because just the thought, just entertaining that idea for longer than 10 seconds, uh, gives us a different framing of the people who are in power. So, um, that is a, now granted, It is, and I'm not one to dismiss something purely on the grounds that something is conspiratorial, right? You know, it's, a lot of things are conspiratorial that are true, uh, that are really, um, true conspiracies that have been created. In fact, I I don't even like the whole idea that when you say the word conspiracy, uh, credibility goes out the window. That is largely the result of the CIA. Um, and And the FBI as well, but these entities who have successfully uh, created this category of people who have certain thoughts that can't even be considered because they're just so crazy you know that that is what the conspiracy dismissal does. It says that's such a crazy thing that I'm not even gonna it's an ad hominem attack you know it, it instead of addressing. The actual content, which may be crazy. Like, I'm not gonna dismiss, there are plenty of, of theories that are in fact crazy. But, um, but just saying, oh, that's a conspiracy theory is the equivalent of saying, well, you're just crazy. And, um, that doesn't disprove anything. You know, we're, we're living in a world in which a virus has, has, uh, we're meant to believe a virus has shut down the entire world. And governments did their absolute best to try to contain it, and and they're no noble heroes in uh, in shutting down all of these small businesses, but uh, but th- they don't have any blame. This is all the virus that caused all of this. And uh, at the same time, uh, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, and at the same time. Uh, there's, there's, uh, you know, all of these, uh, media publications that are bragging about their internal, uh, Slack channels where they, they, uh, discuss the talking points for the day and how they're gonna paint, uh, Donald Trump as evil and, uh, and, and Joe Biden or the opposition as good. You know, these are, uh, real things that are happening that years ago, People would say that's a conspiracy. That's a conspiracy theory, and we now know that these are in fact happening. This coordination is happening. Uh, if you look at almost anything that the World Health Organization is involved in, you see the you see a conspiracy happening there. Like that is a real conspiracy. They are set, setting an agenda for everyone to follow. And, um, and then, you know, what you're supposed to do is for all of the, uh, the skeptics who question that and say, wait a second, I don't want the WHO setting policies for the rest of the world to have to follow, you know, then, then all of their, their, uh, their troops round, round uh, circle you and they say, uh, they say, well, you're a conspiracy theorist. That's not what's happening. No, that is exactly, exactly <laughs> what's happening. So, um, I mean, I I think it's important to keep a cool head with these things because it is a, uh, this is the kind of thing where you need to demonstrate to all of the people who you hope to ever reach. You, you need to demonstrate that this is a, um, you know, you have a rational approach to something that otherwise could be easily dismissed as conspiratorial. You know, like that, it, it makes perfect sense to a stranger if uh, if someone calls you crazy and then you say something that sounds crazy. So don't, don't do that. You know, like there are, are perfectly rational ways to approach almost any issue like this. Um, not every issue, but almost any issue. So we're getting to that point now where the corporate press, uh, which is the enemy of the people is slowly inching us toward, uh, it's, it's okay. And so that all of their adherents will, uh, will say, okay, well, I think now it's okay. You know, that's where we are. And, uh, these people, um, are, are unimportant. Doesn't matter what they think. Doesn't matter. I mean, they, they don't think in the first place they're told what to think. So, um, so, but it's interesting to see the world evolving the way it is, isn't it? Um, in the last month we have seen several things introduced um that are crazy as usual you know there's no there's we were just talking about what what uh <laughs> crazy thoughts and uh and the real crazy thoughts are what is happening in academia and in the media and uh and of course in in politics um the CIA has been putting out these ads, uh, this is old news now, but CIA has been putting out these ads, uh, of its employees, um, and their histories and how they got there and how they became the wonderful CIA people that they are. And of course they're featuring the most ridiculous backgrounds. And these people who say, I never thought of working for the CIA. Until I saw a rainbow lanyard on the CIA director's, uh, you know, ID card. And as soon as I saw that rainbow, I knew that I could be a gay CIA employee. And I decided to join the CIA. It's like, okay, that is the worst reason to join the CIA. I thought that killing children would be the worst reason to join the CIA, but at least the CIA is there to kill children. So if that's really what you're hell bent on, I suppose you could make an argument that, uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, Hey, that's what the CIA does. But, um, but no, this is what we're getting. We're getting, uh, and then there was a similar ad for the, um, I think it was the army. Um, now I'm not remembering some, some branch of the U S military and it was a white woman and it was all kind of animated. It was cartoonized. And, um, it was this whole long thing about growing up. I had two moms and I, that really taught me, you know, about compassion and love. And that's why I joined the military. (laughs) It's like, what? (laughs) So it's been taking some heat and, um, really kind of surprisingly, um, has, has had a lot of criticism. And it's one of these things where we're, we're getting to the point. There are, you know, these battle lines that have been drawn. Um, you know, so, so uh, Ted Cruz, who's a Senator that I don't generally respect. Um, you know, people tell me that he's a good debater and he's a smart guy and he's a scholar. I don't see any of that just to be totally, uh, Frank with, with listeners now. Um, I mean, is he better than AOC? Sure. You know, but I don't think he's a hero. You know, I think this is the kind of guy who, when convenient would say the constitution tells us something. And then if he was told, okay, well now up is down and down is up he would say, well, the constant, we shouldn't be so fast. We should talk about it. The constitution doesn't necessarily say that. And then he would give in and believe that anyway, you know, and you can see the, um, I think the biggest, you know, we've talked a lot on this, this podcast in the past about these red pill moments. And, um, and there are a few of these that have happened over the last three or four years, you know, with, with, this is the, the, Biggest value of Donald Trump is he was a clown that the opposition then decided we need to out clown this clown. And now everything is clown world. Um, so, and to the point where even the term red pill, you know, now this has been added to, um, the dictionary, this might have been dictionary.com. I'm not sure what they use, if that's the, the Oxford English dictionary or Merriam-Webster or whatever. But they've created a new definition of red pill, which is, uh, someone who has, uh, right-wing beliefs or alt-right beliefs. Um, and that's not accurate. You know, like here again, you see the bending of language. Here's something that they don't like. They are going to give it a incorrect meaning um, in order to try to control the language that's used about things so that, you know, then people can't use red pill because it's right there in the dictionary. It says that that's an all right word. So if you're using it, then that's an all right word. You know, same thing as the the white power <laughs> symbol, which previously was known as the OK symbol. You know, a long running hand gesture that meant things are good that scuba divers use underwater in order to signal that they have air to much to, uh, to the, the chagrin of leftists. It is not a symbol that scuba divers use a hundred feet underwater to tell each other white power, you know, like this is, it's, uh, it's false on his face, but, um, this is how they try to control language and, um, and you have these soft leftists that want to be seen as good people and they just kind of get pushed and pulled with, uh, with the Overton window, wherever, whatever we're discussing, whatever we're talking about. And that's what red pill is becoming now. Um, that's it. Sorry. That was a tangent red pill. Uh, th- several moments have happened over the last couple of years. And I think the most revelatory, uh, was around the, Capital riot. I think it's fair to call it a riot. It was an insurrection. There was no one who was, uh, uh, trying to overthrow the government. Uh, pretty terrible job of that if, uh, that is what these Trumpers with all of their guns were trying to do and they forgot all their guns. You know, again, none of this makes any sense if you view this through that lens. You have to be borderline, uh, crazy. I mean, you have to be a lunatic to, to, uh, to believe the narratives that the cathedral is pushing. Well, um, in response to that, and of course, you know, they've been trying to make January 6th into a thing, you know, well, on January 6th, this happened to America. It's like, uh, this is not nine 11. You know, this, this is not the biggest skyscraper in New York, having a plane flown into it and, than, you know, people dying atop that and falling down a hundred stories. That is pretty horrific. You know, it's not horrific. A bunch of people charging the Capitol. And if you look inside, that's not even really what they did, but fine. A riot. I'll call it a riot. I'm fine calling it a riot. Quite a bit different from the riots that destroyed billions of dollars in private property over the summer uh, that are continuing to this day in Portland, in Minneapolis, in other areas that have uh, resulted in the defunding of uh, police, which I- I'm actually for, but not the way that it's been done. Um, you know, all of this has resulted in uh, these really crazy policies that are going to continue to destroy small businesses um, and do it very expensively, you know, on the backs of the tax cattle. Uh, that's not going to change. They're still going to be collecting their, their money. You know, this is, uh, so we have now this narrative that January 6th is this horrible day. Well, I think all free thinking people, all anarchists, all anarcho capitalists, should be um, firmly on the side of what happened January 6th is a beautiful thing. It was not an insurrection, but it was a visual image that the leftists and the powers that be will never be able to get out of their head. They're doing their best to try to make the visuals of that day this horrific, scary thing. And it wasn't. It was a, it was exactly the way that they view a crowd of Trump supporters. Oh, these are a bunch of hillbillies with their shotguns and their, their Trump hats and, you know, they would, if they saw a black person, they would beat them up and they hate gays and they hate, you know, like none of this is true. None of this is true. It's all this narrative that is intended to make you believe that everything leftist is good and everything that is to the right or traditional is bad. And, uh, Honestly, screw them. Screw them. Uh we need to completely um dismiss and mock the narratives like that that come in. And I think the easiest way to do that is to scoff. Is to scoff verbally at those things. It's something John Stewart has done very effectively in his career that everyone pretty much on the left has, has picked up on. And even, you know, John Oliver now on, uh, on his show, um, which I don't watch anymore, but on his show, he does the exact same thing. He will talk about some issue and, you know, this has kind of been, been rehashed over and over cuz his show is such a formula. It's such a a derivative of what John Stewart was, but the idea is my opposition says this. Here's a joke. Here's something, you know, that uh makes fun of how serious they really are about this. They're a hypocrite yada yada yada. And then boom, here comes the sledgehammer of you know, this is the most ridiculous thing ever, you know, usually in the form of a joke, but, um, it could be something that is, is, uh, straight to the point and that's it. You don't address the logic of anything, um, because that doesn't work. I think a lot of people, a lot of libertarians in particular have been stuck in this world of, um, Well, let's, let's get, let's get to the argument and that's great. But the lesson that I think libertarians need to learn is that when you have an enemy that refuses to engage on that level, which unfortunately is everyone on the left and a lot of people in the middle as well, those are people that then want to see a fight. You know, they then want to see, they're, they're here for the action. They're not here for the philosophy. And if they're here for the action... And it's very clear that they're not going to go into philosophical land. Then, uh, and I would give them the chance. I'd always give them the chance. But I think that's the point where you say, "Um, you, literally, just mock them." I mean, your your goal should be this person should feel a little bit embarrassed, and I'm going to make an example out of how ridiculous they sound trying to advance a stupid point and make very clear at the very least that they don't have the upper hand here. And, um, I mean, there's lots of ways to do that. The, the easy go-to is literally to just mimic their voice, just mimic their voice in, uh, in, in a, in your own kind of stupid voice, but just repeat what they tell you. And, um, That's fine. It's, you know, it's like the, the SpongeBob meme. I mean, that's essentially what it is. They advance some point, and if they're not gonna play ball with you, don't say, well, that would never work because, you know, economic incentives don't line up. They're not hearing you. Mock them. Just mock them. Uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about, um, just in kind of this, this catch up, and I apologize. We'll have more episodes coming out more frequently. Um, I've, Try to be a little bit more active on the Twitter, uh, while I can. Um, I don't know how long my account there at down wokeness is going to be surviving, but, uh, I've been, uh, been picking some fights with some, uh, very blue pilled libertarians who claim to be libertarians, as well as, uh, quite a few leftists who have terrible takes on things and boy, it's fun. It, it, it is a lot of fun. And, uh, and it's the same hive mind, dumb responses to things. But, um, I, I try to highlight, I try to highlight a lot of that. Um, but, uh, but I, I just want to, for everyone else who is out there, um, there is a little bit of optimism that I see, uh, on the way. Um, one of my favorite people, on the planet, Michael Malice, uh, has put out a book, the anarchist handbook. And it's not a full, I mean, he, he, he didn't write this. He, he wrote a uh, couple chapters of this, but, um, he did compile essays from anarchist thinkers over the last couple hundred years, maybe 300 years. And it is shocking to see how relevant a lot of these essays are about the world that we're living in right now. I mean, if it weren't for the kind of subtle language differences and, and in general, obviously, you know, it seems like the further you go back, the more eloquent they are in their writing. And then it just kind of gets simpler and simpler and that's fine. I mean, you know, you have to start at those, those basic building blocks, um, uh, uh, you know, to be able to communicate an idea, but boy, if you compare what is in the New York Times today with what is being written as an essay, you know, about the rights of, uh, you know, a critique of the whole idea of rights of, of, you know, government or the people or whatever you call it, God granting people, you know, these kind of artificial rights, um, You see what a big difference in language there is. Um, but that said, there are some really fascinating essays in this thing. The book itself is, um, it's, it's a real, real fantastic compilation of the history of pro freedom thought. And Michael Malice makes that point in his kind of opening introduction that he does, you know, anarchism, Um, you know, the, the, the prefix on that is an, it's anti, and then archism refers to a government, some kind of anarchy that runs things. So anarchy is actually a negative. Uh, it actually means a lack of something. It doesn't, it doesn't refer to something specific. And, um, a lot of people think of anarchy as well. It's, it's chaos. It's everyone killing each other. And it's not anarchy just means there is a lack of some, uh, force that is running, um, a society, a lack of a ruler. And, um, and by definition, that means that anarchy is pro freedom. And when you look at something like even the constitution, that was actually a huge push. I mean, we went from essentially having no rules or, or localized rules in towns, um, to there being this, this new nation that now has a constitution and, um, and also a bill of rights. Like, and now these are things that the government does and there's a president now and there's a Congress now and there's, you know, all of these different things, that is a huge rollback in freedoms that actually happened with the constitution. Like now you don't have the ability to not pay taxes. For instance, you will be paying taxes because it needs to pay for these things that we've just created. And. That's an interesting way to frame the world because I think conservatives especially have been so eager to defend the constitution, um, because there are a lot of innovative things that are happening there, especially for the time, right? Uh, but that is, um, that is a tyrannical push in the early Americas. And, uh, this is also in an era where, um, there wasn't really a a better way to do things, Uh, especially if someone wanted order, I mean, it, it would have been very difficult in those times for the U S to fight for its own independence, um, because it didn't really have the same apparatuses, you know, there weren't, um, there wasn't a robust private industry that people could rely upon. There wasn't the idea of just in the last few years, the idea of smart contracts and, um, these things that we can now automate on apps, you know, this is, is really revolutionary stuff that I think all points in the direction of anarchist, um, innovation. And, um, and so our push needs to be anti-government to reduce the power of the government, um, and to open as many eyes as possible to the ideas that not only are the systems that are in place right now corrupt, they're entirely unnecessary and when your average person grasps that idea, the battle is won. So, uh, kudos to Michael Malice. His book has reached the number one spot on Amazon as a bestseller. Um, which again, there's a big white pill for you right there, a big dose of optimism and, uh, that a book like that can become a number one bestseller. And, um, and so, big props to Michael Malice. Check it out. Go, uh, go. If you haven't bought it, you know, support the people who you whose opinions and perspectives you value. Um, that's more important now than ever. Go out, buy Michael Malice's book. Um, uh, subscribe to his shows as well. Um, he has a locals platform that I think is five dollars a month. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we we uh, we're at a point where we're starting to see some traction and we're, we see people pushing back from the brink of this this kind of leftist nightmare and uh that's a really encouraging thing. All right, I'm going to wrap things up for this episode and uh this car episode and uh we will see you in the next episode. I'm hoping it won't won't uh won't well, it definitely won't be as long as the gap in the last uh the last few weeks. I've had some other things to take care of. Um so I apologize for that. We will continue to be um, to be uh, talking. I'm hoping to do this at least every week. Um, so, if you like this, please do leave a, um, a five star review, um, and that helps out quite a bit on finding new people to uh, that will discover the show. And um, and we will see you next episode. Thanks, everybody.